Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to episode one of Middle Please Umpire, a new podcast featuring me, Miles Jupp, uh, and him, Mark Wood, uh, World Cup winning England cricketer. Uh, essentially, we could be talking about anything, uh, although generally cricket will or, or should be involved uh, along the way. In other episodes, we might chat to guests, legends, ideally, but by no means exclusively. Uh, this episode, though, is really uh, about me and Mark getting to know each other. Uh, it's essentially you're listening to uh, a speed date with, with relaxed timings. So, uh, Mark, have you have you come straight from the office? Uh, yes, stuck in the bubble here. My new office in Cape Town, which is um, has the view of a lo- lovely Table Mountain, um, sunshine coming in through my window, and um, having a good time. How's your office? I'm basically the children are about to come back from home, so any sort of vestiges of sort of quiet, sort of broadcast quality environments are about to be shattered. Um, I yeah, I've been for a swim today. Have you been for a swim, Mark? We've got a notorious um, swim club, as we call it, uh, here. Um, the physio, myself, a couple of other lads. Um, it's very. You have to be a certain type of character to make this club, and um, it's been going for a while. Every time we're on tour, and uh, I mean, you're more than welcome to join, but we're going to need you're going to need goggles um, yep. for a starter. You're going to need some sort of stroke. Who else then is in your terrifying group? So we, the physio it originally started um, about a year ago. Me, and the physio, and Jimmy Anderson started the swim club, mm-hmm. um, where one of us would swim a length as fast as we could, the other one would swim back, and then the third member would go. You do as quick ten as quick as you can. A couple of minutes off, then you do ten more. But we've branched out. We've got some new members. Um, Tom Curran is the newest member. He's a very good swimmer. Um, Ollie Stone, believe it or not, who we've nicknamed Scuba. Um, for uh, the fact that he can't swim well um, and he struggles to breathe out of the side. So instead, he has to wear a scuba and the pipe, instead of it running out the side of his mouth, he runs it over the top of his head like a shark fin in the water. Um, and that's how he swims his length to the um, <laughs> amuse- amusement of a few of the players. 
That is extraordinary behaviour. Is he? Will he be safe? Mm. Do you think? I mean, do you have to sort of keep an anxious? Is it like taking your children to the pool and you can never quite relax? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Sto- to be fair to Stony, um, he's probably on the. You know, when you go to a swim, cl- uh, a proper club or a gal or something, he would win most improved swimmer. Uh, <laughs> at this point, he's, uh, he's he's come on leaps and bounds, so I can't give him too much of a hard time. But essentially, he's learnt to swim. I mean, that's that's the improvement there. He's not gone from. I don't want to say say I've been a teacher, but I would say more of a mentor uh, in this instance. Perhaps, perhaps an in- inspiration. Do you think? Did he spend a lot of hours just sitting by the side of the pool watching you, thinking, <laughs> oh, "I would love to be able to move like that." Yeah, he's he spent a lot of time shadow bowling and shadow swimming out of the pool <laughs> instead of actually. <laughs> but you, we talk about shadow. Um, I've seen in the in the news that Steve Smith has been shadow batting in his room and keeping uh, some of the players up at night. Just with the constant pounding around? With the constant pounding of his bat. And I think uh, in our team, I think who would be that? And I can only think of like a root. That would definitely be a root in our team. It seems to be all the best players. I see the just one that's genuinely just, into cricket. Yeah, just 24-7 wants to have a bat. I mean, he's got that many bats. I think Rudy carries about 15 on tour. Um, and you have all the vultures, like the, the tail-end batsmen, like myself, saying, oh, have you got a spare one? But what about your 15th best one? Surely you don't need your 15th <laughs> best uh, trying to get, steal a bat. I feel Smith's got to put the shadow batting thing out there, really, because then he can use it as a sort of litany. He can use it as a catch-all to cover any sort of excuses. There's basically any odd noises coming from his room. He can always say, he could be wrapping up a body in a carpet, couldn't he? And he was going, yeah, just doing a little bit of, a, just doing a bit of shadow. I was just practising like uh, run-outs and sliding in and stuff. He could be doing absolutely anything up there. But who's best at the moment then? Any new people on tour? Who's coping? Let's think. Well, we've got a big group here, obviously more than normal. We've been here longer than usual. I'd like to think of the, the bubble, in um, inverted commas, as some sort of game show that would take part in, um, like the Big Brother house. And uh, who's coping well? I would say nine out of ten people are coping well because nearly the whole squad play Call of Duty 24-7. It's some sort of gaming addiction. But you're not one of those people. Is this your way of saying, I'm not coping? No, I'm, I, I, I do game, but not as much as everyone else. But I do game a little bit. But my game is uh, Mario Kart. So <laughs> I think it says a lot about a person about which character they pick on Mario Kart. So, Miles, which one would, would you pick? I just... Who's the one with the red hat? Mario. Stanley, Mario. He's, there he, you go. he's number Mario. one, yeah. Yeah, he's... he's Why, would you yeah, pick yeah, someone sort of more some, niche? I just pick um, whoever I, the children tell me, to be honest. Yeah, I, I like Yoshi. He's a little green dinosaur. Fires green eggs. I was in Berlin once at the Brandenburg Gate, and uh, there was lots <laughs> and of And you saw there. Yoshi? Yeah, yeah. There, well, there was two... No, it was um, Mario... What's Mario's twin called? Luigi. You could have your photograph taken with uh, two people wearing sort of foam Mario and Luigi costumes on the uh, border, the old border between East Germany and West Germany. And I thought, what a beautiful way of looking at history and how far we've come. It's uh, <laughs> amazing that, you know, there's so many nations can come together in one point. And I think anyone that got sort of shot going over or under the wire in the old days would look forward and think this this is what it was for. <laughs> um, there we go, slightly bleak, bleak to oh, the conversation. Uh, yeah, and uh, so who's coping well? Um, well, Tom, Tom Helm is new in the group and I think he's coping very well. I mean, he's someone that hasn't been involved in the England setup before. Um, he's someone that I've known because I've done fast bowling camps with him and um, he knows a few of the other lads through England Lions, uh, which is, of course is the A team. Um, so he knows people, but it's the first time in the England. So I think he's actually really impressed. I know it's hard um, being in the bubble. 
yeah, I think he's strangely enjoying it. Um, it's obviously he's finding it very professional and stuff. The way he get looked after. There's two physios here, uh, a doctor um, and a masseur who um, are looking after the, especially the bowlers, really well. Is there a kind of hazing thing? Does there some sort of initiation ceremony? No one gets put in a trunk and pushed down the stairs. No, at Durham we do have one where you have to give a speech for, um, I think it's two minutes. There's none with England, but with Durham, my county side, you you have to give a two minute talk uh, where everyone just listen listens. Yeah, I remember doing mine. You end up just waffling about absolutely nothing, just trying to get the get the time by. Um, I find that very but, hard yeah. to believe. Um, you, mm. I should explain. Mark and I are talking over Zoom, so we can. Uh, we can see each other visually. I've got a strong idea of how Mark's coping. He is currently he's wearing a tin foil hat and uh, he's smeared himself <laughs> in um, whale fat. But I think you're right, Mark. They could be after you, and that is that is there is no better way of preventing the rays. Um, let, let's look a little bit out, outside of cr- cricket then. What? Um, because uh, I mean, if we were on this 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 sort of speed date, for instance, um, you know, I'd try to get to know. You know, get to the heart of you. If you, if we were, for instance, to go on another date, if we were going to go to, um, I don't know, cinema, Mega Bowl, and then end up at a Frankie and Benny's, what, um, what would we have seen at the cinema if it was your your week to choose? Uh, how would you do at the bowling, and what would you order at Frankie's? Uh, well, just to keep in with the theme, and which is my sick film, um, I would probably choose Zulu. Uh, we'd have to go a classic, uh, Michael Caine. Um, obviously, with being in South Africa, it's very much on the agenda. Did you join in with the Welsh singing? Uh, yes, Men of Harlech. Uh, yeah. We've still got that on the on the iPad. Uh, iPod, <laughs> sorry. Um, I've got uh, Frankie's and Benny's. I would. We've been. You've, you've, we've been to the Mega Bowl first. Oh, the Mega Bowl. Yes. We um, probably paid for three games and got tired after two. Yes. Um, well, uh, do we have the sides up, or, or is it just the gutters? I think. <laughs> We've got the, the first game. We try and do it properly. The second game, we put the uh, we put the gutter, those sort of inflatable things of the gutter, and the and the ramp as well that you can have. Yeah, well, well if we if we if we've just got the gutters, we have to bring the ramp out and push it down um, the ramp like a, the inner child that I am. Um, and then if we've got the sides up, I'm, I'm quietly confident that I can get those uh, half streaks where you just got to get the one in the corner. I mean, I'm going to have to let you win, aren't I? Because we're trying to make it a fun date. I'm not going to let my competitive juices flow out too much. And then we come to Frankie's and Benny's. And you don't I... want to be on the end of one of my tantrums. Exactly, exactly. And then Frankie's and Benny's, I'm, I'm going for the traditional um, spag ball. I don't care if it's all the way down my front. I need to be comfortable with who I'm with, and you need to see me for who I am. Yeah, I do. I do need. To, I need to see you warts and all. If that's if that's what it is, you don't be. If you're too self-conscious to wear a bib on our outing, that sort of thing. I did in uh, Frankie and Benny's uh, restaurant in Glasgow Airport once. I poured, um, I was um, slightly drunk and I poured, uh, I put my hand out thinking I was picking up the ketchup mm. and I poured it. And then I looked up, I poured uh, half a bottle of Coca-Cola onto my um, onto my breakfast. So that again, that's something of myself that I'd be willing to show up on this. Well, I've, I've, I've actually just read something about, um, it said that the Sussex, in the Sussex League, they're going to allow teams to decide before the game whether they bring their own teas or not now. Now, I think you obviously judge a local cricket club on how good their teas are. Um, so to even, in that league, if they have to even think about whether they should have a tea, that says a lot about that local cricket club. I mean, pride yourself on the, the toad in the hole, um, you know, freshly cut scones with jam first 
then cream. Never cream, then jam. Is that? Do you think that's tantamount to devil worship? Yes, I, I would say so. Why do you disagree? I can never remember which way which way round it is, and I sort of nervously, like a lot of social interactions, you <laughs> you sit there for a bit watching what other people are doing. If you were in charge of teas, I've, I realise that's a bit of a sideways movement. And if you were called in to see uh, in to see <laughs> Silverwood, and he said, "I tell you what, Mark, we were wondering, <laughs> we were wondering if perhaps you'd for the next couple of games you'd like to be in charge of the teas." Um, obviously. You know, think think if it's a sideways move. What what would you be laying on? Well, you've got to go for all the all the classics. So, um, I'm, I'm putting party food on to start with, um, cocktail, cocktail sausage, sausages. Yeah, all that kind of thing. And then for I, I need I need something for a, a, a main to fill my cricketers up. Whether it's a lasagna, a toad in the hole, maybe even a chicken curry to mix things up. This is just a tea break, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but you've got to you've got to give the lads energy for the second half. And it's no good just the odd scone and that, or just a half a ham sandwich. But is there a fine is there a fine line? I mean, have you ever stepped back over the rope for I don't know after a lunch and just thought, oh my word, oh I got oh yeah, you don't. I mean, that's the Lord's. That's the classic Lord's lunch. That you've got to be careful. You just see the rack of lamb and you think, oh, go on then. And then it's the soup to start, the leek and potato, and then it's apple crumble for dessert go on then i'll have a bit of that and then woody you're on first over at the pavilion end <laughs> you're starting to regret the apple crumble a little bit and there's just this sort of gravy waft all over the ground suddenly as you're <laughs> yeah you can't quite use that in an interview though can you so you didn't start well after lunch what was that don't do <laughs> well actually the apple crumble just took took oh, me over the edge uh, yeah wellness i, I couldn't uh, i had four puddings <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't know i'd be going up the hill <clears throat> oh <laughs> it's repeating on me now and it was four hours ago <laughs> anyway oh. so speaking of teas if anyone across the land has their favourite tea what was in it what cricket club was it and email us at middleplease at hotmail.com let us know and we'll read some out next time I'd just like to take a moment to thank our sponsors who have helped make this podcast possible Cricketers Gin is the perfect pairing for tonic, but also this podcast, as they also believe in creating something enjoyable around the sport we love. Cricketers is an exquisite local gin, a family business, and was inspired during a game of cricket on a sunny village green in Pinckney's, Berkshire. The founders decided that the quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance nearby, deserved a bespoke artisan gin of its own. Cricketers is distilled to the highest London gin standards, all the ingredients are natural and added before distillation, ensuring it's the purest form of gin, and that Cricketers delivers a beautifully smooth juniper forward gin. You can find this wonderful cricketing tipple at cricketersgin.com, and we thank them for their support. There is a special 10% discount if you use the code POD. Well, we've been playing these inter-squad games, um, obviously oh, against them. each other. Yeah, you, and, took, you um, took some wickets. Yes, it's actually quite hard playing against your own teammates. Just it, when you're in training and stuff, yes, but every character is different. And now, actually, my character is is that I want all my my teammates to do well. Um, it, it's if I was playing for Durham against Yorkshire, it would be different. But actually, playing for England against my England teammates is a bit. It feels like we're on the same side, but we're not on the same side, and it's actually um, hard for that extra five percent. Whereas if you're playing against a Warner and it's the Ashes, you've got that sort of extra. Um, bit you need without even try, having to try and look for it. But the first first game you got some runs though. 
Yes, um, I was getting sledged um, by Jason Roy. The last time I was in South Africa, um, I got a few runs and nicknamed my bat the Blade of Justice. Um, <laughs> so as I came out about this time, I blocked three of Ollie Stone's balls, to which Jason was replying, um, I thought this was the, the Blade of Justice. Um, so I thought, well, that's it. If you're going to give me this one, I better get on with it. Um, and then try to target the lesser pace of Adil Rashid, as all tail enders do. We don't want to hit the fast guys, so we'll try and target the guys who can't hurt us. Um, as of course, I, I believe that you've said that you would have done to me. You would have targeted me, um, Miles. <laughs> you said that I was I was the one to go for you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I just think I reckon I can sort of get inside you. I'll just shout. Here it comes. Another, <laughs> another line and length ball. I'll shout as you walk back to your mark. Yeah. Fantastic. Here he comes. He just wants to get this over with so he can meet up with his pals from swimming club. It's not the only club I'm involved in, Miles. I don't doubt it. Uh, what have you got going have on a, then? We You've got your exclusive, got your exclusive swimming club where you have to be of a certain yes. character. Yes, less less exclusive is the chess club. Um, watching the Queen's Gambit. Oh yeah, on Netflix in me in me downtime. Uh, is that a few you? of them? And is anyone else watching that? Um, Owen Morgan, I think, is watching it. Um, he's really into it. Um, a couple of the other lads have mentioned it, but me and Joss um, have been playing chess together. Um, he keeps beating me, so. Um, I'm a bit gung-ho. I like uh, the fact that the Queen can go anywhere. Is sort of, when I lose her, it's pretty much game over. I find that I can't... It's the slowness of it. And I sometimes I think, I just I just want to know that the game is processing. I'd always lose a pawn for a pawn because I think, well, the game's just... The, the, I like the bit when there's like six pieces on the board. And then you can... And mm. then it, it's just easier to see. Effectively, you know, you're playing the 2020 of chess, is what you're telling me. <laughs> That is what that is what I'm all about. I'm about the you know just the big, the big explosions, the excitement, the shiny floor showbiz. Um, I've got some questions here for you, Mark. I'm going to fire at you. You you've probably got some questions. Your favourite food? Uh, either broth, homemade broth, <laughs> <laughs> keeping the northern <laughs> in me, or um, a dinner with plenty of gravy. Very good. Um, bro- broth. Just any sort of, like a northern no, like broth, lent- not like a sort of eastern uh, broth. No, no, lentils and uh, chopped turnip, carrots, onion. Uh, you put a bit of um, ham in there, cooked ham. Oh, fantastic. Crusty bread. Thank you. <laughs> Do you see how I just melted into somewhere there? You were just, I just went, uh, uh, you were just back there. You really were. You mm. were in a sort of, um, you were in a Hovis advert in your head. <laughs> uh, Favourite book? Um the best one I've read was Lennox Lewis. He's uh, autobiography. Right. Oh, sorry. Lennox Lewis. Right, sorry there. Favourite TV series of all time? Oh, this is a tough one. Depends what kind of mood I'm in. Well, if I had to go on Mastermind, like I know someone has. Well, yeah, 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 this is true. I would probably go with Friends. Who do you most identify with in Friends? Which which character do you think of yourself as? Uh, probably Chandler. Could I yeah. be any more of a fast bowler? Yeah. <laughs> who and who? Which one of them do I remind you of? Gunther, probably. Gunther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll stick with that. <laughs> World class. I was uh, filming. This, I used to be in this sitcom called Rev, and the guy, uh, main guy in it, Tom Hollander, he said, "Oh, a friend of mine's in London. He was wondering if he could just come and visit. Does anyone mind if he's sitting here during the take?" 
and um, I uh, there was a guy in the corner, and he just said hello. It was really nice. And then when the camera was on top, I was looking at this guy. Even though I was in the scene, I was just thinking, why do I know that guy? Why do I know that guy? And I realised he's the he's the guy he played the psychiatrist. Uh, that Phoebe dates, that sits in Central Perk and just goes through all of them and says everything that's wrong. Uh, and he says to Sean, Sean LeBing says something really funny, and he goes, here, you're a funny guy. Wouldn't like to be here when the laughter stops. And he's really cool. <laughs> and I just suddenly, in the middle of although the man had been in the room for about an hour and a half, I suddenly got really excited. Um, are you scared of heights? No, I'm scared of flying. Oh, really? Mm, I don't like flying. Do you look out the window when you're flying? No, I don't, it's not the hate that bothers us. It's uh, how how do they work? It seems so unlikely. Yeah, it's, it, I don't, I don't, I really don't like turbulence. If I'm honest, <laughs> I will go on any, I will go on any water ride in the world. No roller coasters. I'm not a fan of that. People say, "Oh, how a man grow up? You're 30 years old," but I cannot handle it. I just cannot hack it. What if it was a really amazing water ride, but it was called turbulence? <laughs> Because that's not that's not an unreasonable name. Like that would be a, for a ride at Alton Towers or something. Turbulence would be perfect. Mm, no, I'm taking I'm taking it on. I'm taking it on. Okay, you look you look anxious now. Even speaking about it, um, have you ever? Or what social situations scare you apart from ones that take place in flight? Ones um, when you touch gloves and he says, "Oh, he's not bowling that fast." <laughs> Who? Um, but why 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 mention that he's even bowling fast at all? Yeah, yeah. So just say, just say, oh, he's trying to swing it away. Love that one. Tab close. Uh, just watch it. It's not, it's not that fast. Why say that? As the next, as the next one from Shannon Gabriel comes whistling past my ears. Remember this summer, actually, Joffre saying that to uh, me and Joffre are back together, and um, he, he asked Shannon if he was getting tired. <laughs> I was like, Joffre, please stop, because. <laughs> <laughs> You're not on strike and he's balling at me and I'm not enjoying this at all. <laughs> who, who is able to wind him up there? Joffre seems very calm. Mm. Uh, well, Stokesy, Stokesy is pretty good at winding anyone up. Um, but that's because he's the best player fast bowling and he's not scared of it and it doesn't bother him at all. So, um, yeah, Stokesy, um, although him and sort of Marlon Samuels enjoy winding each other up as we've recently found out. There's that story, is it, about... Someone having a go at him when he first played in Australia and they start winding him up and Graham yeah, Brad, turned around Brad, and said, just Brad don't Haddon. do that. Yeah, Brad Haddon, I think it was, um, and Matt Pryor, I think was the guy that said, uh, you're messing with the wrong guy. Yeah, you don't want to say that. <laughs> no one else said anything to him for the rest of the trip. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know Marlon very well. Um, I know he's very controversial and he's fallen out with a lot of guys, but um, I'm back in Stokesy there, like, Okay. Um, have you ever grown something and eaten it? I used to pull worms apart in the garden and then um, suck the middle out of them and then try and put them back together. <laughs> How Was this when you first got into the England team and you were just a bit sort of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what um, could be my thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I recently spoke to the nutritionist. She says it's fine um, as long as I put them back together at the end. It's, it's fine as protein. part of a mixed diet. But you do need to balance yeah. it out with some roughage, some major carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah, well, we used to play it. Um, this is how I basically started, was in the back garden with my dad. Um, and we'd spend hours in the garden. I would be um, England, my dad would be Australia. I would have to do all the actions, so I would try golf, Caddick, uh, Flintoff, 
uh, Jimmy Anderson, believe it or not, Matthew Hoggard, all these kind of guys, and I worked out which action worked best for me. Um, at the time, it was sort of the one that I used to try the most was probably Darren Goff's. Yeah. Um, but he's got a totally different sort of, sort of build to you, hasn't he? I mean, he's. Yes, yeah, totally different. But as a kid, that was the one that sort of I could bowl the quickest with and I swung it and stuff. So that was the one I sort of tried to model my action with early on at the start. Um, it's not that much like it now, but when I first started, that was the one I tried to copy. And I think that's how you start. Like we mentioned, obviously, picking worms in the garden. It's, a, it's fun and stuff. But I spent hours and hours in the garden practicing. And that, and in the winter, I would go, we had this tiny garage at my house. And we'd have the wheelie bins as fielders. And you'd have to play one hand, one bounce. So getting used to like playing spin and stuff like that. And um, I think that's just basically how you learn. Like Try different actions. Try different things. Whose action do you, would you say you're like now, then? Well, a lot of people think that my, that I bowl similarly to how Simon Jones bowled um, with having that sort of skinny, fast arm and it being explosive at the crease. Um, so I'd probably say if people compared me, it would probably be that people have compared me to him. But um, I'd like to think I'm unique in the fact that no one else hits the floor as much as me in the follow-through. Um, the fact that I now have to wear knee pads when I bowl, not for injury, but for the fact that <laughs> I'm sick of going in with Grace knees from from bowling, but well, who is is there a cricketer I remind you of? Is, is there someone that you you can think of? Or? There's the, there's a quirk, and you're not you're not like him in many other regards. I'd have thought there's that quirk. You take that extra, you know, that extra big long wide stretch that you take at the beginning of your run up. That's kind of mm-hmm. sort of idiosyncratic, and it's not the same thing, but it reminds me of that thing, that sort of kink in the knee that Andy Caddick used to do just at his first few mm. steps. You remember he'd come in and then he'd sort of bend that right knee yeah. right out. He, I, yeah. I played. I've basically given up now, but I played a game for the Lords Taverners against. I think it was like called the Royal Household, and I opened the batting with Strauss, and Caddick was the was the their opening bowler, and I've never been so. I was going to say I've never been so frightened. Any time I go on a cricket pitch now, I'm essentially <laughs> frightened. <laughs> but he came. He came in off his full run, and I know he's what mid to late forties now. It's a while since he's played, but to me, that really felt like being in the eye of a storm. And because I'm shit, mm. I'm sort of not good enough to get out to him. As in, I couldn't really get you know. He would sort of nibble it away, and if I was good, of course, I would only I would only have been able to sort of edge it to slip. But because I was sort of hopeless, I'd be playing down the wrong you know wrong channel. Uh, but he he got angry quite quickly as well. If you're playing a club game, if you were playing, for instance, for my team, on the thirds this year, probably down to fourths next year, all being well, what in that, a game like that, you would you could bat any, you know, you could open, you could be three, you could be four. When you were growing up, what was the point when you started to realise that you like as a you weren't a batter, but you were definitely a bowler? Because when you're young, you're doing everything, aren't you? Every, every child love, loves the game as an all rounder. Yeah, I was more of a batter, to be honest, uh, as a kid. I batted number three. Um, I would bowl sort of second change, little outswingers. And then, believe it or not, um, as which I wish I had a pound for every time someone said this when they say, um, oh, you're not as big as what we thought on TV. Um, so I had a growth spurt about 16 when um, typically you might think, you know, I'm, I'm small now, but I was even smaller as a young kid. And then um, when I had that growth spurt, I, out of nowhere, I, I don't know, I just gained a yard of pace. Um, so about 16, 17, um, I would say that's when it really turned for me. I went to Durham Academy as a sort of batter who bat number six. 
um, but then who would open the bowling, and that really sort of changed my career, I guess. What's the highest you batted then in a in a first class game? Oh, I, w- I would say probably three, four, five because um, I've done the old night watchman role. Um, there was a famous uh, there's a famous guy at Ashington called um, Burb the Dog, which is Bob the Dog was is his nickname. He's not a he's not an actual dog. He is a man. Right. He pulls so left arm spin. He's a legend of the club. Um, he mentioned to me when I was a kid when no one else really saw it. He was like. Um, you, you could make something of this bowling. Um, and that was when, you know, I was probably still more of a batsman, but he saw something in me then and said, and I also had a great piece of advice from a guy called Michael Thulis, who's still at the club, who said to me, um, you're trying to bowl too fast. You need to work on trying to slow it down. So that was great advice. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Uh, you, you still in touch with him? Yes. Uh, I still go to the Little Critic Club a lot. Um, I'd love to come to your Little Critic Club. I think that's where, you know, you... you the heart of where cricket is, the grassroots level, you still have, I mean, the England dressing room will be exactly the same as any club dressing room. I know people might think that's not right, but it, you'll have a joke as you'll have the quiet lads, the lads that look after their kit, uh, the lads that are like, you have every character in every dressing room and the England one's just the same. I, I absolutely love that element of it. And I find with one of the things I love about cricket is that you can watch, or I can watch any level of it and still enjoy it. You could be watching, like, you know, club third team, fourth, you know, I've seen lots of high-level stuff, you know, gone to an international game. So if you're just walking past someone, there's cricket playing, and you get, you've got, you watch the game long enough to get a sense of people's personalities as well, like who looks fun in the field, and who's having a laugh, and who's, you know, I've always enjoyed watching a tantrum from a long distance. What kind of character would you be then in the dressing room? Obviously, the jogger. And would you be a back thrower or would you be just a gently place it down, head in hands for five minutes? Or, or, or there is, I'll tell you what there is as well, there's always the guy that it's never his fault. Oh, can you believe I've got that ball? Oh, can you believe he caught that? Oh, I've had absolutely no luck. Did you Why, see that no one tell me warm as a leg spinner? Um, I, yeah, I, I, well, I do, I am capable of uh, tremendous um, tantrums, but I think, I don't know, in that environment... Probably less so. I probably would come up with sort of wild excuses about, you know, the sun or whatever, or I should have asked for the sight screen <laughs> to be moved. I Because also, I'm just so hyper aware of my inadequacies in the game. I played in that... When Test Match Special was 60 years old, I think it was, there was a T20 game and we played up at Leeds. And I, I was out third ball for two. And I just remember thinking, this is a short ball. It wasn't a very fast short ball. But I thought I need to go back, and I just never saw it again. And I was—I just assumed, you know—and I will have walked off saying, "Well, it must have kept very low" or something like that. But to be honest, I have absolutely no idea what would happen. And if I watched it again on video, presumably, <laughs> you say all dressing rooms are like, you know, the England dressing room is like a club dressing room. I couldn't believe ex-players the sort of level of intensity that they were capable of. I remember sitting in that dressing room afterwards, and on my team, I don't know why they were on the same team but Tufnell and Swan were both on my team and we'd we'd lost the game and they sat and they're and they're considered sort of jokers aren't they they sat in the dressing room and they analyzed four or five key moments in the game where it had got wrong for our side and despite the fact that I was on the field for all of them I couldn't remember any of them I didn't know what they were talking about at any point and my worst the worst thing in that game was I suddenly got to myself you're sort of it's quite jolly there was a crowd of about four or five thousand there I've never 
not playing sport have I been in front of a, a crowd like that and there is people who are amazing at cricket but are just having a laugh and people like me who are dreadful and are actually really 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 so far out of our comfort zones I was fielding at extra cover uh, or mid-off maybe when Michael Vaughan was batting and I just suddenly remember that thinking he's batting whoever it was is running into bowl and I just remember thinking this is phenomenally unsafe I mean, I ought to be having—I <laughs> ought to be having the absolute moment of my life here. But I just thought this is unbelievable, and it took me a while to realise it, it was just never going to come to me because he's too. It would only be a miss hit that came to me. I actually feel—I actually feel like it, the vision I've got in my head is that I think of the Michael Vaughan classic cover drive, and instead of you stopping it at mid-off or extra cover like you should, I could just imagine you. What a shot! As the ball goes. <laughs> I, that is, no miles chase it dive I trust shot. is wow. it alright if I stand here and admire it uh, yeah I was <laughs> honestly I was just thinking please don't if that comes out of the middle and heads in my direction I have, I will have no alternative but to dive What you know if it's, if it's not going quite towards you you can sort of fudge it but if it's definitely coming towards you and I thought this will be the moment where I have to <laughs> I will not be able to conceal the fact that I'm deliberately diving away from the ball as it comes towards me um, I, I asked my um, two of my children on the way to school this morning. I said I am talking to Mark Wood later. Uh, Mark Wood off of the PlayStation, uh, and they. I said, "Have you got any questions for him?" Bear in mind, I didn't give them your full biog. They know who you are. They recognise you when you come up on Cricket Nineteen. Uh, so uh, here's the here's two questions actually. The first one was what What is the favourite catch that you have taken? So my favourite would have been in the. Champions Trophy. It was the first game at the Oval. Um, left-hander Tamil Tamim Iqbal sort of went to slog it. I was at mid-on off Liam Plunkett. He didn't quite get it, and I dived away, and I just got my left hand um, under it um, as I dived to my left. Is there a sort of slightly glorious moment where you're the only person in the ground who knows you've definitely caught it? Yeah, there's a de- there's a delay from the crowd, so when you get a wicket, you'll be like, uh, yeah, and then the crowd <sighs> over the background. And it's pretty much the same with the catch. Often as well, you think that you're so focused on the ball that you don't hear stuff in the crowd. But in the in the sort of subconscious in the back, you can hear that one guy go, "Drop it!" <laughs> when you do take a good catch, and especially if you've got the crowd on your side, it's uh, it's it is a bit special. But is it is the crowd noise? I've always imagined it's kind of unless you're right on the boundary, it's sort of white noise, and it's all just you're just aware of a sort of intense hubbub. But actually, can you? Does it cut through? Uh, it depends. So. It does depends what you want to hear sometimes the crowd is just the crowd it is just a big stand full of people and it's just the blending of one thing it is the crowd or sometimes you can hear two or three individuals in the crowd uh, the the ones i couldn't remember is i've been sledged by my own fans i remember my first game at leeds uh the western terrace i was feeling the boundary there and this guy says uh what are you doing here wood and i like turned around and he went it should be punk kit at times you, you do pick up things in the crowd um, and you can have a bit of laugh at the crowd and it's great when you have a bit of banter back and forth um, but when it comes to the high catches and things like that you've got to be deadly serious because if you mess up they will not let you forget it for the rest of the game I, f- I feel like I feel like when um, like if, if something bad does happen you miss field or um, a bad throw or a drop catch every time the ball comes to you it's that oh, even if it is rolling along the floor and I'll tell you even when it's rolling you're thinking do not mess this up. Pick it up clean. Stay low at the ball. Remember your, your coaching tips when you're ten year old. You're desperate not to let the crowd get on top of you. I remember being what was the the next Ashes series here after 05 and just Ponting was just always 
any mistake he did. I remember being in the crowd at Lords, I think, and him putting down a catch at point, and just him sort of just going down on his haunches with his head in his hands. And it was as much about the fact that there's that you can hear the laughter, you know. Well, Lords, Lords is a funny one because actually Lords feels to me like a constant hum. So it's like that. It's like people are talking about you. So you're batting and say, it is good. Like, don't get us wrong. It's every atmosphere you play in quality. Um, but the best one I've probably played on is um, is Edge Baston, that uh, Holly, is it the Holly stand? Or, um, when we played Australia. And I remember them singing to Aaron Finch, who was feeling like, he's going home, he's going home, he's going, Finch, he's going home. And I never watch the player live because I'm too much of a nervous watcher. So I, but for that bit, I came out and we were going to win that match in the Champions Trophy and I watched uh, I watched them sing and it was awesome. Um, the other question my children asked was, uh, have you ever batted? Yes, yes, I have batted. Uh, I'm glad that just it was just batted and not well uh, <laughs> on the end of that. Uh, just baby steps. Yes, yeah. I ha- yes. Uh, no, batting. It's a tail ender. I think now batting is a little bit more important than probably what it was. Obviously, you've got all the equipment on. Um, we practice in the nets, and, and often it doesn't come off because we're not to the skill level of the bowlers. But um, any time a tail ender can get runs, it's certainly vital for the team. And also, though, is it that that sort of morale thing? Presumably, if you're bowling at someone, I don't know, Coley, and he clips you through mid-wicket for four, I know that's annoying, but part of you thinks, well, he is Virat Coley. Whereas if someone who's absolutely hopeless smears you over third man for a one-bounce four, presumably you're just absolutely raging. The best sort of story I've got, or sledging story, that I, I mean, we'll keep it for next time. I'll keep that for next time. You over that next time, and I will tell you the story about the most mad I've ever been at uh, a batsman, who actually, uh, for the next episode, was a nighttime airport worker at Emirates um, in Dubai. Um, and that's the most mad I've ever been and the best sledge I've ever had in my life all in one. So I'll tell you that next day. I feel I've been sort of driving a little bit unreasonable. I've been dominating our date. No, I've, uh, it's been good. Um, the, the things I was going to ask you about. Were, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, go. Um, Just, I'm saying take take the wheel for a bit. I'm going to um, uh, sit in the passenger seat, wind down the window and roll one up. Uh, no, that's not... I'm gonna... <laughs> you, you, you take the wheel and I'll... Um, I'll get stuck into the picnic. Well, I think that it being only fairness of the first episode where whenever we have a guest on, we are going to ask a series of uh, questions. I think it's only fair that you answer the questions as well. Okay, yeah. Let's have a quick go. So, Miles, jump. Right. Three, two, one. Any superstitions? Uh, oh, loads. I don't, I don't walk over three uh, manhole covers in a row. Oh. I don't tread on all of them. Standard. Yeah, oh, yep. okay. Favourite drink? Red wine. Uh, favourite music or band? Um, oh, favourite, favourite. Yesterday I listened to Hunky Dory by David Bowie, so that's that's at the top at the moment. Yep. Uh, any favourite TV shows? Frasier. Uh, any... Sopranos, The uh, Wire. Well, wow. Uh, favourite uh, school lesson? At school, what was your favourite lesson? It's always just about the best teacher, isn't it? Um, probably history when I was at school. Drama. Drama, of course. Would you rather whistle, click, clap or hum? Clap. What, just once, and that is to get everyone's attention. And then I ask them to stop humming and uh, whistling and clicking. <laughs> I mean, I've got to ask you the last one, which is my all-time favourite. Which is your favourite TV owl? 
Professor Yeffel. Is he an owl? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I don't even know if he is an owl. Uh, you know, from um, Bagpuss. Bread crumbs and butter yeah. beans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? That's quite um, exhausting. That is almost as tiring. That's like being in the mastermind chair, Mark. Mm, and you've done mastermind, of course. I've done. Um, I believe on a cricket hour, wasn't it? I've done it. Well, I've done it. I don't know when this is. I've done it. First time I did it, um, did about Michael Atherton. Um yeah, the uh, the uh, gritty opening batsman, a former captain. Are, are you a big fan of Michael Atherton, Bernie? I, I, yes, I am. Mark, he is my yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is very, very much my hero. <laughs> Amazing cricketer, even even greater journalist. I think. Um, now, now you know what it's like to face Mitchell Johnson. That's a, essentially the same thing. If I had to do one of those things, it would definitely be go. I'm afraid, even though it was unenjoyable, it would be to go. <laughs> Kill Mastermind again. But how many how many deliveries from Mitchell Johnson have you ended up having to face? Oh, first, I'm not quite sure. I would say probably six or seven overs of Mitchell Johnson. Uh, presumably that's spread out over several innings, is it? Yes. Um, he's managed to get me out once. He also told me that I was you're, you're dead, mate, which was probably the worst and scariest thing anyone's ever said to me because I, I believed it. Um, oh, you can't. You can't just sort of in the heat of the moment. You can't laugh that off. You can't. You can't like from a distance. You can look at him and think he's slightly ludicrous. But from twenty-two yards away, presumably you can't. Well, it, it is funny when you. I think at the time I was batting with uh, Joe Root, I'd managed to hit Mitchell Johnson over extra cover, which is never a good idea to hit the ball in the air off a fastballer as well. But my weight was that far back that I managed to get it in the air over extra for four. Rudy gives me a little tap, well played, mate. Uh, I just say, thanks, mate. And then he just turns and says, you're dead, mate. I try to laugh it off with like, <laughs> but really underneath, I was thinking, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> the, the other Mitchell Johnson one I've got is, um, which is nobody will know about, is because it was an England Lions game against uh, Perth Scorchers. We were the first team to ever play in that new Perth stadium. And we were sort of trialling the game out. Mitchell Johnson in that match managed to bowl one over. Nick Gubbins, who plays for Middlesex, yep. went over his head as a bouncer. Nick ducked, and the bouncer kept going over the wicketkeeper's head. It wasn't a wide. It just kept going. That's the pace. Over the wicketkeeper's head and landed one bounce for four. And I'm watching this side on thinking, oh, my God, can you believe how fast that was? All of a sudden, we lose a few wickets, and I'm in. Guess who comes back on? Mitchell Johnson. So I'm thinking, right, it's a 2020. If I just look like I'm trying to smack this, then nobody can say anything because obviously it's 2020. You have to try and smack it. Right, clear your front leg. And if it's anywhere, just swing as hard as you can. So he pitches it up. My front leg is cleared. I smack it. It goes for six straight down the ground into the stand. <laughs> Not just, just over the light. It went into the, into the seats. And I was thinking, firstly, what a shot that was. <laughs> Secondly... What am I going to do with my life now? Do I, I haven't written a will. Um, if anything happens to me, who's going to look after my family? Uh, next ball, I'm thinking, well, this has just got to be short. I've already watched a ball one over Nick Gubbins' head that looked like the speed of light. This has got to be short. What I'll do is I will back away and he will have no chance of hitting me from square leg because I'll be that far away from it that, you know, he can't get me. Uh, the, the, he runs in, he pitches it up again, to which I can't reach the ball. My middle stump is castled out of the ground. It's a Yorker. I look up, he's just smiling because he already knows that 
you thought that was going to be short. As you're walking off, there's a massive screen in the new Perth Stadium, and I look up to see the wicket on the highlights, and that cleared front leg that I'd done on my left leg was off the wicket. <laughs> it, I was that scared of the, being the bouncer, and managed to get myself fully off the pitch, so that I've just said to Mitchell, take them, take the stumps, you can have them. As long as I've got my life, it's all right, I'll write that will next week. And as I walked back to the dressing room, I thought, you're walking past the coaches and you're sort of kicking the turf. Oh, man. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh. And then as you walk in, I'm thinking, oh, thank you very much. Thank God for that. But you could have said to the coaches, well, I just thought I was just trying to move around in the crease, unsettle him a bit, sort of put him off his line. Exactly. See, you get it. You, I mean, you were there at the World Cup final. You get it. <laughs> I could, yeah. I could have told you what was going to happen at any, any passage of play whatsoever. That is one of the most anxious days of my life, I would say. That, I mean, and that I mean, probably more anxiety-inducing for you. But I do remember just throughout the day, from about the first ball, we just we were just we just seemed for some reason to be slightly behind, or not demonstratively ahead, and it was like that the whole time. And I kind of thought win lose win lose. That's how I would just describe it. Just it was just, I mean, euphoric. I'm so happy for it. I, I, I mean, everything about it. But I I hated the game. I hated it, which is which is surprising for a final. It was just too tense. I got there early because I thought there'll be an amazing atmosphere, but actually, by the time I walked down Wellington Road, everyone was just everyone's nervous. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a big day. Did I tell you this? There was a, there was a lady sitting next to me that about about I reckon about halfway through the forty eighth over, she suddenly just got up and said to her husband, "I don't want to be here." She's like, "What are you doing?" She goes, "I just I just don't want to be here," and I thought. If she leaves, I might leave as well. This is absolutely because <laughs> this is so un- it is so unbearably tense. It was sort of like being at a dinner party where two two people are arguing, and after a while, you think this has got actually nothing to do with me. And I think I, perhaps a few of us should just go through to the other room. I can't believe you sat next to me, ma'am. So I'm shocked <laughs> at that. I can't believe you. <laughs> uh, well, a nice way I think that Ed Miles would be. Um, of course, we've called the podcast uh, "Middle Please on My." Um, as a top order batsman against Andrew Carrick and for Monmouth's thirds, what guard would you have taken? Would it have been middle please umpire? It it is middle please umpire, but only for the. I just don't know what else. I would feel self conscious asking for someone else because that's that's just what you ask for, isn't it? And quite often, you get out to the middle, and mm. I've, I forgot because I don't have an approach in my head other than thinking, "Gosh, I wonder how this is going to go." When the umpire says, "Do you want a guard?" I will always go, "Oh, a middle please umpire." Whereas it wouldn't occur to me, perhaps perhaps that's mm-hmm. all that's wrong with my game. I should be asking for what middle and off or something. I mean, I've kept the fitness up. Do you know what I mean? Everything everything's there. I'm just waiting for that last. I just need to feel one ball out of the middle, which has ne- not happened in possibly twenty seven years. And I, well, I'll be back. Well, I'll see if I can get you one of Joe Root's fifteen bats. I'm sure that would certainly help. <laughs> I'm quite sure that I wouldn't be tempted to immediately auction it. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> please send it over. <laughs> Mark, very, very nice to speaking to you. I feel, I feel I know you now. Oh, should be taken and is taken. Brilliant from Mark Wood. What a spell this has been. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and email us at middlepleads at hotmail.com. Please also leave a review if you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Mark and everyone behind the scenes, including Cricketers Gin.
Middle Please Umpire is an electric production in association with Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.